welcome to the Positivity and Prosperity Podcast. If you're ready for a dose of inspiration and insight, then you've come to the right place. My name is Victoria Maskell and I'm a psychotherapist, mindset coach and positivity practitioner. I help women just like you to have their own Cinderella stories and transform their mindsets to make their dreams a reality. So if you're a coach, an entrepreneur, or just looking to up-level your life, then this is the podcast for you. I'm going to be talking all things money mindset, manifesting your dream life, and how to use your subconscious to achieve anything you set your mind to. I'm going to be filling these podcast episodes with stories and inspiration for you, things to make you smile, feel supported, and get ready to crush your goals and manifest your dreams. There is no such thing as a coincidence in life. So just by listening to this podcast, you are one step closer to making your dream life, business, and mindset a reality. So if you're ready for today's dose of positivity and prosperity, then let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Positivity and Prosperity Podcast. I hope wherever you are in the world, you're having an absolutely fabulous day. Now, in today's episode, I have a wonderful interview with Lucy Megason. Now, we're going to cover so many different topics in this episode. We're going to be talking about mindset. We're going to be talking about Lucy's journey, all the different careers she's had and kind of what's made her progress and kind of go into those. And we're also talking about her upcoming book and her amazing podcast on the topic of spinsterhood. Now, you might listen to that word and go, oh, I hate that word. Or you might go, hmm, I don't resonate with that because that's not my situation. This episode is really going to break down what spinsterhood actually means, Lucy's take on it. She's going to be talking about why the most important relationship you have is the one with yourself. And I know everyone is going to take something really, really positive from this episode. It was absolutely fantastic to listen to Lucy describe the way she's gone from working at the BBC to where she is now. I'm not going to say any more because I want Lucy to be able to tell her story, but it was absolutely great to be able to interview Lucy and hear her take on this. Now, if you want to find out more about Lucy, I will make sure to leave all of the information in the show notes, but let's go into the interview. I hope you really enjoy this episode. I would love to welcome Lucy onto the Positivity and Prosperity podcast. Thank you so much for being here today, Lucy. Why don't we start by you just telling everyone a little bit about you and what you do? Thank you. First of all, thank you so, so much for having me on. I genuinely appreciate it. Um, so yeah, my name is Lucy Megason. Um, I, well, I currently job-wise work part-time in a coffee shop, uh, just local to where I live. Um, sort of, I feel like I should go back a little bit to kind of give a little bit, a little bit of background, but I used to work for many years at Radio 2. Music uh, has always been my passion. That was always my, that was, that has always been my great love. And about 12 years ago, I sort of hadn't found exactly where I wanted to go, but I just knew that I was, I just knew that I wanted to be involved in music. And I ended up um, deciding that I wanted to work for Radio 2. 
And so it took me several years to actually get a full-time job there. I basically, um, I, I actually started off by by going in on Saturday night and just answering the phones for free and kind of doing bits and bobs. And I worked sort of every weekend and every bank holiday and I worked Christmases, New Year's and all the rest of it. And so over the course of several years, I eventually got a, a proper job. I started off doing freelance work there. And I basically, in a way, sort of forced my way into Radio 2 because I, I started, I just contacted anyone and everyone. I just kind of used every, you know, every contact that I had to find out names of producers. And I started emailing people and having coffees with people. And that's sort of how I made it happen. And so back in god i'm just trying to think what even what year it was but however many years ago i got my got a full-time job there and i worked as i i worked as an assistant producer in the specialist music department of radio 2 um and i also was the producer on claire teal's show for a while and i did various sort of random ad hoc uh producing gigs on various different things um and one, I, I worked on a program called Friday, Friday Night is Music Night. I used to produce little interval features for that for that show, which was great. And anyway, so I was there for several years and I what what happened was that I actually ended up meeting a guy through that world. Mm-hmm who I got together with and we were together for a couple of years and without going into too much detail, it wasn't the best relationship in the world. And I got to a point where I wanted to get away from him and the life that he was, he was in the life, you know, the sort of circles that he frequented. And I did something pretty drastic, which is that I I ended up leaving Radio 2 to go and become a detective in the minute. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Completely and utterly the most random thing in the world. But what actually happened was that I just to give a bit of background on that. So I I studied psychology at university, I did a psychology degree, and I've I've for, for many, many years, like for, for as long as I can remember, I've always had a real interest in psychology and people's minds and the way people's minds work and particularly the minds of criminals. It was always something that I felt really um, I just always found hugely fascinating. And at one point, I actually wanted to do um, criminal psychology. But for one reason or another, that didn't happen. And so anyway, whilst I was still at Radio 2, um, I don't know whether you've heard of, Jer- do you know Jeremy Vine? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Jeremy Vine's show, I used to sit next to the Jeremy Vine team. And one day I was sat at my desk and the, the Jeremy Vine team, the, sorry, the Jeremy Vine team um, were talking about a feature that they were going to do on the show that day. And it was, and basically the Met had, had come up with a new initiative whereby they were, they were allowing people to join the Met directly as a detective. Wow. Without, because, because obviously the, the, the normal route that you go is you go in as like a uniformed police officer and, you know, you do whatever for however many years and then you sort of work your way up to becoming a detective which isn't something that ever interested me because I never had any interest in going to the police as such. But I had always um, quite fancied the idea of being a detective. And I'd I'd always thought that it would be something really, really fascinating, Um, you know, tied in with my with my interest in people's minds and criminal minds and all the rest of it. So anyway, so I sat there at Radio 2. And as I say, because of the relationship that I was in at the time, there was a part of me that was sort of looking for an escape 
Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this might sound like a very drastic thing. So, so I think basically had I not been in that relationship, I probably would never have left. I probably wouldn't have done the detective thing. Mm-hmm. But because of where I was at the time in my head and in, in terms of, in, you know, with regards to the relationship, I heard the Jeremy Vine team talking about this initiative and I got up, I was, I remember it so vividly. I got up from my desk and I grabbed my phone and I went outside and I phoned them up and I was like, I phoned the HR department. I was like, how do I apply for this? And I then went through a whole, a very sort of lengthy application process and I got accepted. And then in the April that I, basically I I left Radio 2 in April, do you know what? I can't even remember what year it was. It must've been April 2018 I think it would have been Mm -hmm. and it was probably the most difficult decision I had ever made because of course my my heart was saying oh god is this the right thing you know my intuition was saying well I want to get away from this guy and if I leave Radio 2 then I you know blah 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 anyway I left but as soon as I literally the day that I started on this detective route Mm -hmm. literally the first day I went in there and I was like, oh my God, this is just not right for me. Oh wow. And and I and I knew it instinctively, literally from day one when we walked in and we kind of had these these couple of induction days. Um and anyway, because I'd given up this career at Radio 2 and I'd gone through this whole process and blah, 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 blah. My, I, I, I basically tried to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And for the first six months, we were literally in the classroom. And I think at that point, I was, because I didn't know what the job was going to involve, I think I still had a hope of what it might be further down the line. So I sort of, I kind of tried to keep positive about it because I thought, well, you know, I've kind of got to embrace this and just see what happens because look what I've done and look what I've, <laughs> look what I've given up and look what I've left. Yeah. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of my friends and family and, people I knew were probably a bit like wow this is a massive massive change Um, and at the time nobody really knew my motivations for it I don't think because I don't think I really expressed that to anyone at the time so anyway did this job long story short um apps once I'd once I'd done the you had to do uh, an exam called the national investigators exam and once you'd done that you would then you were then sort of posted and I was posted to Hounslow um and the minute I got to Hounslow, I was just like, okay, this is just, this is definitely, my, my, my heart was just saying, get the hell out. But I did it, I was there for about a year and it just ground me down and it just wasn't what I thought it would be. And I just, I really hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were basically treated as if we were already qualified and we were sort of thrown in at the deep end and everything from the sort of culture and the attitudes to the actual job itself. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is not me. And funnily enough, just before lockdown in February, 2020, I got signed off sick by my GP. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I remember I was getting the bus home from work one evening and I was in such a state that I stayed an extra stop on the bus to go to my GP surgery. And it was about half past five in the evening. And I wasn't expecting in a million years to get an appointment, but I went in and I said to this woman on reception, I was like, is there any way that I could see a doctor? Um, and she, I think she just saw a look of absolute, 
uh, desperation in my eyes. And five minutes later, this lovely doctor came out and took me into his office and I just broke down and he signed me off. So this was February 2020. So for the first time in basically the first time in my entire adult life, I had time to really think about what it was that I wanted to, wanted to do and what I wanted my life to look like. Mm. And for a long, long time, even when I was at Radio 2, I had always had this feeling in me of um, just wanting more and wanting something more than I was doing I kind of always felt like I knew that I was capable of doing more and going further and I always knew that I hadn't really fulfilled my potential and I was sort of I was sort of going through that kind of nine to five life that Mm -hmm. so many of us do for so many years because we don't really know how to get out of that and how to go about creating the life that we truly want and actually so so basically there I was in lockdown not you know I mean obviously lots of people weren't working but I definitely wasn't working and I had this time it was it was bizarre but it was incredible for me and and obviously putting aside the pandemic and and everything that was going on no disrespect of, of course um but just from my personal journey during that time I started on a a, basically what can only be described as a spiritual journey. And I start, and at the time I had actually, I'd actually joined, um, I'd actually signed up to an online course to become an Amazon seller. And it was a course that taught you a very specific way of selling on Amazon. And within that course, I mean, there were hundreds of people on this course and we used to do these, um, we used to do these daily Zoom calls Monday to Friday every week afternoon. And yeah, and with with an American guy called John Lavinia, there were literally like people from all over the world on this Zoom call. And this, this daily call was about mindset. And although mindset is something I'd, I'd always been interested in and always been kind of mindful of, it was only when I started on this sort of spiritual journey that I've been on that I really, really started to realize and appreciate and fully kind of get what it actually means, you know, when, when we're talking about the power of the mind. Yeah. And so over those sort of over those months, as I started to go deeper and deeper and deeper into this journey of personal growth that I've now become completely obsessed with. Yeah. Um, I, I, I then ended up in the, the following summer, because you know what it's like when you sort of, when you have the time to, um, when you have the time to sort of look inwards and do sort of inner work and you start to feel better about yourself inside yourself, that is when, you know what it's like, that is when the ideas start coming. And that's when the clarity, you get that sort of clarity of thoughts which means that suddenly you're you're just much more open and much more receptive to the little signs that the universe is trying to show you and this sort of little clues as to which direction you might want to go in. And so I started randomly writing a book in July. What year is it now? 2022. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like bloody, I mean, the last couple of years, it's like, what year is it? Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, in July 2021, I was sat outside. It was a beautiful, beautiful summer's evening. I remember I was sat on the bench. There's a bench outside my house. And I was just sat there on this gorgeous evening. And out of literally nowhere, literally nowhere, came the idea to write a book about being single and not having kids. Because that's the position that I'm in, as you know. And I sat, I came back into my flat and I sat down at my desk and I just started writing. And for the next three months, I would say, it was like this kind of um, fervor that was just coming out of me. All of these thoughts and these feelings were just that I was just sort of sat there at my laptop, just typing away like a maniac. Um, but it was very unexpected. Mm. And as a result of that, a few months later, at the end of last year, at the end of 2021, I suddenly thought, oh, my God, why don't I, why don't I just start a podcast at the, <laughs> about the same subject as you do? Um, so, I've, as you know, I've just literally launched um, a podcast called Spinsterhood Reimagined, which talks about the same subject. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am and and as far as the Mets concerned I had it by noticing got a job in the coffee shop as I mentioned at the beginning I clean my sister's house once a week I'm writing this book I'm doing this podcast so my life has changed beyond recognition but all in a really 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 positive way wow what a story though like from from working with the BBC and loving music to then following another potential passion of psychology and criminology and kind of finding out that that wasn't right and then I think a lot of people will resonate with that story of having some time and obviously the pandemic was very very difficult and still is for a lot of people but it did give people time time to slow down time to settle their mindset and actually decide what is it that I really want and I love that that's kind of brought you full circle to this place of actually I've got all of these ideas for a book and a podcast so we'll we'll talk about those in a minute but what was the oh I don't even know which which question to ask first there's so many I want to ask so you mentioned it was called Spinsterhood Reimagined. Tell me a little bit about this whole kind of singlehood. Is that a word? Is the singlehood a word? I, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Well, it's a word. If not, it is right now. And tell me a little bit about that and why this was the, the kind of title for your book or the, the, the topic for your book, sorry. So I've been, so since coming out of the relationship that I mentioned earlier, I've been single for four and a bit years. And previous to that relationship, I was single for five years. Mm-hmm. So I've had, and, and the irony is that I was always one of those girls who was always in a relationship. I always had a boyfriend from, a, you know, from when I was a teenager, I always seemed to have boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend. So the irony was that I sort of then ended up as being the one that had these long periods of being single. Um, but so, yeah, so so before my most recent ex-boyfriend, I had a period of five years of being alone. And actually it was during it was during those years um, I broke. I was living in Shepherd's Bush with my ex ex-boyfriend um, who who was and an, an is an absolutely the loveliest guy in the world. And I still love him to pieces. But we broke up. And so for and for those years, Whilst initially I felt really low, in fact, despite the fact that I was the one that had walked away from the relationship, I went through a period of feeling really, really down about being about my situation in life. 
Because at that time I was sort of in my mid, because I'm 46 now. So I suppose at that time I was in my mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone around me, as you can imagine, when you're in, mid, in your mid thirties, everyone around me was married and having kids. And so I felt, I really felt it. Do you know what I mean? I really felt the kind of the negative sides of the position that I was in, but I, I kind of worked through that and and it's funny because I have a very 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 vivid memory I'll never forget it's such a you know you have those moments in your life that just stay with you and it was it was actually just before ironically it was literally about a month before I got together with my most recent ex-boyfriend and I live um in St Margaret's just on the other side of Richmond Bridge from from Richmond and it was April time. And you know how sometimes we get really lovely weather in April and it was, yeah. it was just this, yeah. And it was this absolutely gorgeous April, sort of late afternoon, early evening, early evening. And I was walking over Richmond Bridge and I was on the phone to one of my best, best friends in the whole world, Hannah. And I remember thinking to myself, it was, it was, it was really strange, but we were talking about paddleboarding because I've developed a complete obsession with paddleboarding and I got myself a paddleboard uh, a couple of years ago and, and I've been paddleboarding loads and I absolutely love it. And I remember I was having this conversation with Hannah about wanting to get a paddleboard. And as I say, I was walking over the bridge and just looking down into the river and I just had this moment of feeling like, wow, I feel like I'm in such a great place in my life for no other reason than I just am. And it's just coming from inside of me. There's nothing external. There's no bloke. There's no, there's nothing particularly exciting. I mean, I was working at Radio 2 at the time, so that was great. But but my kind of uh, happiness and that feeling of just sort of contentment and peace and and, and inner peace, if you like, Mm -hmm. was very much just coming from where I was in my own head. and then fast forward how many years and to post my most recent relationship, those years, these sort of four and a bit years that I've been single, there hasn't been, and I genuinely mean this, there hasn't been a time where I have felt depressed or down about being single. All of this time since um, getting out of my previous relationship and not because that was a bad relationship, you know it's more than that it's kind of beyond that um but these years that I've had as I've kind of been going you know getting further into my 40s where ironically you could assume or one might assume that perhaps I'm thinking oh shit you know I'm single and I haven't got kids and everyone else has Mm -hmm. so if anything you might think that those years were the ones where I started to feel more and more urgency to get into a relationship and to have a baby if that was where I was headed Um, but I didn't feel like that that isn't to say that I didn't want a baby and I didn't want a relationship it's just that it just wasn't where my life kind of went yeah do you know what I mean yeah yeah, so so I think that day when I was sitting on the bench outside my house and I had this idea to write the book and then subsequently to do the podcast I think I was just sat there and it's just almost like I had this flash of inspiration of like my god I need to write a book about this because people need to understand why it's great to be in this position Mm -hmm. because there's such 
a negative um, connotation around the word spinster, isn't it? I mean, let's face it. And not just the word spinster, but just, you know, forget the word spinster, but being just being single and of a certain age. Mm. There's so much sort of, um, there are so many assumptions that being single is in some way a lesser path in life than the path that is relationship and children. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was that that really made me think I need to write about this. And the funny thing is actually another another very vivid memory. This was years ago. Um, it must have been about up to six or seven years ago. And I was with actually, no, sorry, I, I, I tell a lie. I think it, I think it was actually having broken up with my ex so in the last few years but I actually I was I was in central London I was I'd been for a big walk with a very good friend of mine Jenny in Hyde Park and we'd been walking along just walking along like Bayswater Road together and I and I I had to stop because I was like oh my god I had to put I had to note something down in my phone because I think we were talking about this subject and I had such a, a such a something that felt like it was so important that I needed to note it down in my notes on my mm-hmm. phone you know um and weirdly, I remembered having done that. And actually, I took that. I took what I what I wrote in my notes and plonked it into this now book. And mm. um, so it's obviously a subject that's that's been close to my heart because I've had long periods of being single. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. Kind, of, that's oh kind of where I am and what happens. I think so. The first thing that really struck me there is that the whole if we think about manifestation. So manifestation in terms of creating your life, how you want it to go when you were describing that moment where you just felt intrinsically good, it wasn't because there was the perfect partner. It wasn't because there was the perfect job or the perfect amount of money or the perfect something. You just felt good. That's exactly where we want to be with manifestation. We want to be feeling good because we feel good because there are so many things in our lives we can't control. We can't control other people. We can't control events. So what you described there, I just wanted to touch on because I just, yeah, perfect. I also think, I mean, I completely agree with all the things you're saying. I just think there's so much pressure on people. And whether you are the kind of person that goes, I never want to get married, or I 100% want to get married, or I want to have children, I don't want to have children. I think there's a pressure to fit into a sort of societal norm. And this might be different in different cultures and different countries. But I see this in my clients. And I felt this as well, that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm X age, I should be doing. And that might be, I should be somewhere in my career, I should have a stable job, I should have a partner, I should have kids. And whether you are in your 30s, 40s, and you want to have children, and you're not there yet, you feel a pressure, because you feel like time's running out. If you're the kind of person that's going, actually, I'm quite enjoying being single, I imagine there's a pressure because family members start saying things like, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to have a, and so I'm sure in so many different ways, people are going to resonate with this. But what would you say has been your friends and family's reaction because to your decisions and, and what feels good for you? What have they said? What what's come across? I have to say that my my I'm very lucky when it comes to my immediate family. Um, my mum, my, my dad died a long time ago, but my mum and my brother and my sister, all of whom I'm very close to, they have certainly my brother and sister have. And and my mum, my mum too, to be fair to her, um, they have never put pressure on me. They've always very much just accepted 
me for who I am and, and what I do. And, and, and also I'm, I'm really, I feel like one of the luckiest people in the world in terms of my siblings, actually, because both they are two people who I, even if they weren't my brother and sister, they would be two people who I would like to be friends with. Yeah. They're both very cool and very bright. And I really, of all the people in the world, actually, they're, they're the two people whose opinions matter to me the most and whose, whose views I sort of um, listen to the most. Um, so they have certainly never made me feel in any way like I'm lacking. I think my mum might be slightly different. And I only say that in because to be, you know, she's my mum. So yeah. I think she... I think she feels differently now than she perhaps did a few years ago. I think she's always wanted me to find the guy that I kind of settled down with only because she wants her little girl to be looked after. I'm not obviously not so little, 46. <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think from that perspective, she she certainly and probably would still love to see me settle down with some, but someone, but I think now, and particularly since I've started doing the podcast and, and, and started writing the book, I think she's sort of, I think she's starting to realize that I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. fine. So I think she doesn't feel the kind of worry that perhaps she once did. And when it comes to the baby thing, bless her, my mum lives in Dorset. I'm born and bred in Dorset. Um, and it will always be my, you know, my spiritual home. And I'm, I'm quite sure that one day I'll, I'll end up back there or have a place there or something. But so my mum lives in Dorset. Um, and she she's we've had conversations about um, because speaking of the, the, the baby thing and the kind of child thing, um, I think I mentioned earlier in this conversation that it I, I never made a choice to not have kids. It was something that, um, without wishing to bore the, bore the crap out of you with all the details of this, but I never was that, I was never that girl. Going back, I was never that girl who always wanted a baby. Mm -hmm. In the way that a lot of my friends, it was definitely apparent from quite early on that my friends, that they wanted a baby. That was very much high on their priority list. Um and, and it was certainly, and, and you know, obviously they, they, they've all had kids or the vast majority of them have had kids. Whereas I, I always, I did always think that I would eventually have kids just in the way that you kind of do, because that's just kind of what society says you're going to do. Mm -hmm. So I do, so I did always think and assume that I would have kids, but I never felt the kind of um, inherent desire in the way that the people around me perhaps did. But, and also I was never broody. I never could relate to the feelings of broodiness, but about three or four years ago, my God, that broodiness hit like a freaking ton of bricks. Wow. Um, anyway, I've gone off on a slight tangent, but going back to the sort of what people and friends and family think. So my, so my family is one thing. My friends, I think again, they, it's, I think it often comes from a place of sort of love, which is that, oh, but we want you to be, we want you to be with someone, we want you to be happy and cared for like we are, and you know, to have a baby because blah, 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 blah. Um, but it, but again, it's only ever, it's, it, it's certainly only ever come from a, from a place of love. But I think one of the frustrations is that 
it kind of reinforces the assumption that by being single, you are in some way lacking. And that's the point that I'm trying to make in both the book and the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's that assumption that you are better off if you're in a relationship. And whilst I don't necessarily believe that I'm better off being single, the whole point that I'm trying to make is that they're just they're just two different paths. Yeah. One isn't better and one isn't worth worse. They're just different. Um, so that's the sort of slight frustration. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, as you were describing it, when you were talking about your mum and yeah. your, kind of her wanting the best, that word, that word safety came to mind. And I think there is a perception, and it can be for so many people, that when you are settled, even that word settled, but in a relationship, you are safer, you're in a unit, you've got each other. And that can be true. But as from what you're saying, it's like, yeah, that's one choice. And that's a great choice for some people. Having a child is a great choice for others. And being single can be a great choice as well. It doesn't mean that you're half. And I think from a a kind of mindset point of view, I think the danger with relationships sometimes is that we as human beings are looking for someone else to complete us. We see a gap in ourselves and we think, right, I need a person, male, female, whatever, to complete that, to to kind of fill the gap, fill the void. And that's never going to work because we need to be, like you were saying in that, that moment, you just felt good in yourself. I think the best place to come into a relationship is from feeling good in yourself and you can be single and feeling good and yeah but I I can definitely see that you know we do perceive oh if they're in a relationship if they're married if they're settled if they're with someone long term that must be a good thing so so what does spinsterhood mean for you then because you're right to me those phrases like old maid do you remember that card game the old maid yes I play I remember playing this with my nan when I was (laughs) oh my god I don't know six seven and that whole if ever if you haven't heard of the card game basically you have a pack of cards and you take one out and then your job through the game is to pair them up just think of what this is programming a young mind oh they're paired they're paired and then obviously you end up with an odd one out and that's called the old maid when I think about it it really upsets me because it's like, what is that telling people? And some, okay, I know you probably will be thinking, or some people might think, oh, it's just a card game. But think of your subconscious mind. Your subconscious is taking on stuff. And mine definitely was hearing, oh, you don't want to be the old maid. And actually, I think I had a specific pack of cards that had this old woman with a massive nose with a wart on it <laughs> as the old maid. It wasn't like, just a beautiful human being who chose spinsterhood. So yeah, back to my question. So what does spinsterhood mean to you? If it was reimagined, what would that look like? Why Why is this really good thing? Well, okay, so, so my take on it is this. Well, number one, I bloody hate the word spinsterhood. I hate the word spinster. I mean, we, I mean, who doesn't? It's, it's just yeah. a horrible word. But yeah. the reason it's a horrible word is because of the negative connotation surrounding it. Yeah. If, if, if it if it was a diff, if it was a you know a more attractive sounding word it still would have the negative connotations and therefore it would still feel like a, a negative word yeah. but the, and the funny thing is that even though I'm doing a, a podcast called spinsterhood reimagined spinsterhood reimagined and at the moment my book is called spinsterhood rocks but I'm actually wondering whether I might change the title of the book because it's going in different directions so I don't quite know yet what it's going to be called but both of them obviously have the, the word spinsterhood the funny thing is, is that 
I would never in a million years describe myself as a spinster because who the hell describes themselves as a spinster? The only reason I'm using that word to describe myself and using it in the podcast and using it in the book is because it is the word that describes a woman of a certain age who isn't married and who doesn't have kids. But what I would like to see change and what I would like to see happen and what I really feel so strongly needs to change is this interpretation of that word. Because whilst we don't wander around calling each other spinsters and no one would ever refer to me as a spinster, it's now a label I've kind of put on myself by starting this podcast. But what I, when I, when I, when I say um, I would like to reimagine it, that's kind of twofold. Firstly, what I mean is I would like it to be reimagined in the sense of um, I'd like people to get and understand and not just people who aren't spinsters, but people who also are, Mm. because I think a lot of people who are single and don't have kids who aren't necessarily in a good place. What I'm trying to say to them is, guys, it can be so great. Let's think about the positives because there are so many benefits of being in this position and saying, you know, saying the same thing to the outside world. So I want to um, reimagine it in, in, in terms of just the word needs to be, um, it just needs to, to be seen for what it truly is and what it truly can be which is an an absolutely equally fabulous path as as any other path in life. And when I say twofold, the second thing, the second sort of point that I would like to get across is the sort of realisation by society that it's not a lesser path than the one that is a relationship in kids. Being single and child free or childless whichever way you want to look at it I prefer to look at it as child free because I can I certainly feel I feel much more child free than childless but it's the it's the the point is that it needs to be it needs to be seen to be an equally valid and an equally fabulous and an equally fulfilling path mm-hmm. and by the same token it has just as many downsides as being in a relationship does but the point is that those two things should be seen as being on a par with each other they yeah. should be seen as equal yeah. and it's and it's really feels to me like it's well overdue that there's a whole you know that the, the word is reimagined because because it needs to be seen that um there's no kind of difference that it's purely one isn't better than the other one is one path that takes you down one road and one is another that takes you down another road they lead to two completely different dis- destinations both of which are good both of which also have bad bits. So that's kind of, sorry, I feel like I've been very inarticulate and rambled on, but that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And what I've just heard you say there is it's all about choices and it's what is your choice? What is in alignment with you is your best decision rather than feeling like you have to go down either path. And something that struck me as well, 
I agree. The word spinster, I wouldn't sit here and describe myself as a spinster, but am I married? No. And do I have children right now? No. So technically I would be a spinster as well. I've never used that word. I've got friends of a similar age and a similar position. We don't walk around going, hey, spinster. Hey, how are you? (laughs) But what struck me is the male equivalent would be a bachelor, wouldn't it? Now the word really cool. Yeah. Oh, a bachelor. It's like, oh, he's an eligible bachelor. I don't think you'd ever hear the phrase, oh, she's an eligible spinster. Completely. Well, well, funnily enough, I literally the first chapter, well, it's the first chapter at the moment of my book Mm -hmm. says exactly that. It says exactly that. It's 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 about basically it is asking what do you think of when you think of a spinster? And I literally have a sentence in the book that says it doesn't exactly have the same ring to it as eligible spinster does not exactly have the same ring to it as eligible bachelor because it doesn't, does it? No, but but really they mean the same thing. It's just exactly. the word with a different gender. So Precisely. they have the same, the same concept. And there might be men listening to this who count themselves as eligible bachelors. And maybe this is a really interesting episode for them because I suppose I am obviously female, so I'm presuming this is something that women feel like a pressure to either be in a relationship, have children or not. If they've chosen not to, they might feel a pressure that they should. But maybe men feel this as well. But I think that word spinster definitely has negative connotations. And this is this is kind of language, isn't it? This is when we say words, they mean things to us. We have connections, we have beliefs, we have experiences. So actually you reimagining this is really important, I think. Um, I and I, I love what you're saying about there are good and bads in both. Being single can be incredible and amazing and can have some drawbacks or negatives. Being in a relationship or married can be amazing and incredible and can have drawbacks. But exactly. It's, I think what I'm really taking from this is it's about what is right for you as a person it's not about society saying you should or shouldn't it's about what does your heart say what does your soul say what is going to make you really happy and from your journey it sounds like you know you started with music and that was something that was going to really make you happy and then you had to explore the Met because that was something else that might and it sounds like you've come to this place where actually this is what you really wanted (laughs) you've finally been able to explore sharing all of this really important information and the podcast and so what would you say what would you say to someone who's listened to this and it's really sparked some curiosity in them or it's made them feel heard it's made them feel listened to what kind of advice would you give to someone who is maybe feeling some of these pressures or some of these worries I would say um that at the end of the day, really, the most important thing is how you feel about yourself. Mm. And actually the most, it sounds so kind of cheesy and, you know, but, but it's true, I think it's true, that the most important relationship you will ever have is actually the one that you have with, with yourself. And, and that's just a truth. Whether you want to believe that or not, it, it is just a truth. So what I would say to people who were feeling a bit crappy about being single or not having kids a I would say come listen to Spinster reimagine because you'll feel better (laughs) and and b I would say you can only deal that there's no point in focusing on things that are out of our control and that's one thing that I think we all know that and it's so bloody obvious isn't it really but actually Do we really get that? How many of us actually really get that the only thing that we can control 
is is us is us mm-hmm. that that's it yeah. so what i would say to those people is is remember that you can only deal with what you can control which is essentially is you so if you happen to be single and feeling a bit crap about it or if you you don't yet have kids and you're feeling a bit crap about it the best the i think the best way to to deal with it and to look at it is to just make the most of where you are right here right now because you know I could have gone down a road I could have if I'd been feeling in a different you know mindset I could easily I could sit here now if I decided to I could be like oh my god I'm 46 oh my god I'm single I don't have kids oh my god that do you know what I mean if if I wanted not wanted to but I could equally easily see it in those terms as see it in a positive way and I'm not saying oh let's just all be bloody positive about everything because it's obviously not not that simple but going back to what I said just now ultimately it's about the relationship you have with yourself and I think you will find that if that actually the most important thing to do is to work on yourself because the better your relationship with you and the better you're feeling about yourself I I think that you will come to realize that actually suddenly the relationship perhaps won't be of so much importance the baby thing is a different thing because obviously you know we're biologically designed to be mothers so that's a whole other conversation and I get that's really hard Mm. but if you don't have kids right here and right now you could be looking at all the great things about that before you might potentially have them do do you know what I mean yeah and and from a again from a manifestation point of view we can't manifest what we want from a feeling of lack So let's say someone does want a relationship. You can't manifest that from feelings of I'm not in one. I'm really sad. I'm really lonely. And and those are very normal, natural feelings. But the best thing you can do is to start to feel good. And that doesn't have to even have anything to do with relationships. Like you were saying, it could be do a face mask, go to a gym class, go for a walk, see your friends, read a book, like just do something that you enjoy as a human being, because then you raise your vibration. And then you're thinking in a different way. Like you were saying, you're reframing things, you're, you're manifesting from a different perspective. And I know with these big things, it's, it's, it's like anything to do with money, safety, love, it's a big thing and it sometimes can seem a bit like, well, how can I do that? But honestly, small steps to feeling good has a huge positive impact. So I love that advice, absolutely love it. Where can people find out more though, Lucy? If they're like, right, I need to listen to this podcast. What is it called? Where can they listen to it? When's the book coming out? All of these, tell tell them everything. Well, thank you. Um, so the podcast is called Spinsterhood Reimagined, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Is it Google Podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, so. Well, I, I should know that, but <laughs> basically, anyway, you can listen to podcasts, but I think the main ones are Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. Um, you can follow me on, I'm on Instagram at Spinsterhood Reimagined. Um, and the book is hopefully going to be coming out in the autumn of this year. So autumn 2022, but I'll be keeping people posted on that via Instagram and via the podcast. So yeah. Oh, thanks so much. I will make sure all of those links are in the show notes. If anyone ever can't find anything in the show notes, send me a message, drop me an email, and I will make sure to send all of Lucy's details. But thank you so much. I think this is a really important episode and I think lots of people will have taken 
important messages, no matter where they are in their life or what their path is. I think this is an important discussion that we have. And I will be listening to Spinsterhood Reimagined. I can't wait. <laughs> I said to Lucy, it's on my uh, podcast list. So I will be listening. Thank you so much for taking your time today and joining us on this episode. Thank you so, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this content, I would so love it if you could leave me an iTunes review. You would totally make my day and you'd help this podcast to reach other listeners just like you. And if you know someone who this content would help, then please share it with them. Share the love, share the positivity. I hope you all have a wonderful and prosperous day and I will see you all in the next episode.